We are continuing our series titled, Best Christmas Ever. And, and we're just talking about that truth that we all have this desire to have those perfect times with our family. We have that desire to be the perfect family. And so when you look across any of the social medias, all you see is the picture-perfect moments, because those are the ones we love to capture. That's the face we like to put forward. But we all know in reality that just outside of that picture frame, we all have our own messes. We all have our own issues that we're walking through, that we're dealing with. And we're talking through the Christmas story, and we're looking at some of the things that surrounded that story of what they were walking through and the experiences that they had, the decisions that they made, because we need to understand that it wasn't just a beautiful, easy situation. They walked through some difficult times around this birth of Christ. And God did some amazing things. And I believe that's so similar to our lives. That we're seeing God do amazing things, but we're also walking through difficult times all at the same time. It's all interwoven. And so today, um, as we're talking about this, before we get to the passage, um, not, not only, you know, we have this picture, but... My family did family photos yesterday. We did our Christmas picture, and I'm happy to report that we're still married. Um, there was only one family member crying, and I didn't cry that long. Um, but, but you can see this is one of the shots that we got, and it's almost good if my daughter wasn't buried in my armpit. Um, but, you, you know, if you've ever done family photos, you know it's like, oh, we're going to create this beautiful moment if it kills you. Like, it's going to happen um, because we're so happy. And we are happy, but there's just that tension, and we live in that. And today's passage, we're studying Mary. Over the last couple of weeks, we've looked at Joseph, we've looked at Zechariah and Elizabeth, and today we're looking at Mary and what was going on with her. And just before this, we saw the interaction with the angel Gabriel and Zechariah in the temple, where he said, even though it's beyond your years, you're going to have this baby, you'll call him John. And he's going to be great. And the Lord's going to do great things. And Zechariah couldn't believe it. And so he said, how can this be? My wife is beyond those years. And then the angel said, because you haven't believed, you're not going to speak until every word that I've spoken to you has come true. And then we get to this section about Mary. And we're going to start at verse 26 in chapter 1 of the Gospel of Luke. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Luke chapter 1, verse 26. And we're going to look at verses 26 through 38. And here is the... The story of Mary in this beginning portion. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. No, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your words to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. 
Now, as we look at this and we look at Mary's life, it's amazing to just stop and look at all of the pieces that were in motion of what God was doing before Mary reached this point where she had to react to what God was doing. I just want to make sure we understand. There's so many things that were moving around. There's so many other life's stories that had to be in these specific places before we see Mary in her place where she's making her decision about how to react to God's call on her life. I mean, one, one of the first places that I think you have to look at that, that's just interesting to know is that there's prophecies 700 years before this time that, that, are, that are almost about to take effect in her life. I mean, it was foretold in Micah 5.2 that the city that Jesus would be born in, that it would be Bethlehem. In Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, it says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. In Jeremiah 31.15, it describes the massacre that would happen, the tragedy after Jesus was born when Herod was trying to, to kill this new king of the Jews. And in Hosea 11.1, 1, it talks about how Jesus' family would go into hiding. All those things were written before their life. And even just think about the experience of Elizabeth and Zechariah. Mary was a family member. And as the angel reference, references what's going on, I don't want to miss the shock that would have been in her heart. If you've ever had a family member that was dealing with a sickness or dealing with a long struggle to hear that they are now healed. I mean, Mary's reaction, her heart would have been for a child. Could this be true? I mean, so many other pieces were moving around what was happening in Mary's life. And I'd say that that's true in our lives as well. Usually when we see God at work, it's not just that God's working on our own life, but it's that God is working on other things, and all of those are having an influence on who we are. I'd say most of you guys, when you came to a point where you decided to start following Christ with your life, there was probably key friends and key people who were placed around you that had an influence. And it's not that it was all working towards you, because I'm going to tell you, God had a story that he was working out in their life too. And it's amazing how God is just at work in each one of our lives in these different ways. We're all walking through these different seasons, but it's like God is working out his plan in an individual way all across this board. And, and I say that not just because it's something that we should understand, but it's actually something that should affect the way that we interact with other people. Because if we understand that, yes, God is working in me, it's easy for us to give ourselves kind of the past, like it's okay that I messed up, it's okay that I reacted that way, God's still at work in me. But sometimes it's more natural for us to be like, that person has no excuse. That person, they never should have acted that way. I mean, yeah, I got upset and I lost my cool, but that's okay because I lose my cool sometimes, I can't help it. But they should have had it all together. I mean, we've seen this interaction happen. We've probably had this conversation in our head where we take away all excuses from the other person and we give ourselves all of the allowances. But th there's that truth that, you know, God is at work in us and he is at work around us. It's actually the first point that I want to talk about is that God is always working in us and around us. And God had been working out this plan that was going to happen in Mary's life for generations before she was already born. I mean, when you look at the prophecies of the scripture that were going to have a specific impact on how Mary lived her life and what her marriage was going to be like, all of those things were happening before. Good things and bad things. And I want to tell you that when it comes to the bad things that have happened in your life, I want to be clear. I don't believe that God has caused those bad things to happen in your life so that you can accomplish something, something better. I don't, I don't believe that that's what the scripture teaches. What it teaches is that he can take anything and he can use anything for the good of those who love 
him. And so God can take a terrible moment, a tragedy that's happened in your life, and he can use it for something great. But it's not that he caused that pain or brought that pain just so that he could do it. Because he could do it without that trouble. But we are able to make choices in our life. And, you know, just one of the ways that this has played out in my own life, uh, when I was young and serving at a church, there was a time where we went through um, a really tough experience with the church. It's just a fact. People get hurt in churches sometimes. And if you've been around in the church long enough, you can probably tell some stories of relationships that went bad and say, you know, I got hurt by other Christians, by a church. And it happens. And when I was preparing to, to, you know, bring my family down here and start this work at Gulfside Church, one of my leaders said, Paul, I need to sit down with you and I need you to tell me your life story and all the difficult things that happened, which for a guy is just like, man, can we just put bamboo shoots under my fingernails? Like, I don't want to just sit and talk about my feelings and my emotions and the stories that I had to go through growing up. And I'm telling him these things because I have to, because I, you know, I know that God's calling us to do this, so I'm going to go through this process with him. And I'm telling him these stories of things that honestly I wish hadn't happened in my life. Times where I got hurt by people who should have cared for us. And as I'm telling him this experience of getting hurt by a church, just this thing that I wish never had happened, he leans forward and he says, you know, I'm so glad you shared that with me, and I want to let you know that if you hadn't gotten hurt in a church, I would never have helped you plant. Because when you're part of a church, sometimes you get hurt. And if it happens for the first time while you're leading a church, you're not going to make it. I'm going to tell you, God is able to take the thing that was meant to destroy you, and he can actually use it to serve your calling. I mean, God can actually take the thing that was meant to hurt you, and he can use it to empower you to do something that you never would have been able to do before in your life. And so as we look across the scope of our experiences, the good and the bad, I want to tell you that those things that were difficult, God can actually take that, and he can use it in a way that you never would have imagined. And I've seen this in my own life. I've seen this out throughout the narrative of Scripture when, when terrible things happen. God is able to take that and use it to bring healing and change. We walk through difficult times. There's always things going on around us that are good and bad. But we're able to take whatever's going, God is able to take whatever's going on in our situation and he's able to use it towards our benefit. God's hand is always active in our life, whether you see it or not. God has been working behind the scenes in amazing ways. And I don't know if you've ever stopped and realized, it's, it's actually hard to really know, because I know a lot of us are still getting to know each other in this room. You know, we're, we are a young church. But you know, there's so many families that are in this room that weren't going to any church before Gulfside Church started. I mean, it's easy to just guess, like, oh, they probably were somewhere. There's a lot of families, just the busyness and the craziness of life, like, that had just gotten pushed out of who they were. And right now, we're at an awesome size where you really can get to know each other. And, and there's some amazing stories that are being written right now. From, from Bree, who got baptized last week, to, to families who are learning how to raise their kids and teach them to love God, to families who have gone through and they've raised their kids and their kids are grown and they're grandparents now and they have amazing stories to share and tell. There's so many awesome stories that are being written right here around you. And there are people who come together and say, you know what, I want to be part of a church in this part of Cape Coral and make a difference in the city. And so as, as you're walking through and saying, you know what, I know that God is writing this story in me, make sure you hear what God's doing in some of these other lives around you. There's a great opportunity you have that you can, you can pretty much know the names and faces that are here on a Sunday. 
Um, get, getting back to the text, verse 30, we pick up and we see Mary was described as highly favored by God. In, in verse 30, let, let's look at that. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. Mary's reaction to this, I mean, it's interesting to get to in a minute, but Mary was described as highly favored. And if you were to put yourself into the story of an angel coming and speaking to you on behalf of God, based on your life, based on what you know right now, how would you think the angel would describe you? Do you think the angel would describe you as highly favored? I mean, we don't have a ton of information about Mary and how she lived before this point. But if the angel was coming to you and speaking to you, do you think that he would describe you as highly favored? Do you think that he'd describe you by your mistakes of your past, by your hang-ups, by your issues, by, you know, failed marriage, failed relationship, failed job? What do you think he would describe you as? It's an interesting question because it tells you a little bit about how you see God right now. And I want you to know that there's some really good evidence that we can point to that will actually tell you how I believe the angel would describe you, that tells us how God sees you. It's actually written very clearly to us in Scripture, the book of Romans in chapter 8, verse 39. It describes that nothing can separate you from God's love, that there's no thing that can be done, there is no thing on earth in all of creation that can separate you and take you away from the love of God. That one of the things that if we were to describe, how does God see you? How would God describe you as an angel came and said, hey, this is what God thinks about you. First of all, do you realize there's absolutely nothing that could separate you from the love of God? On top of that, 1 John 3, 2 says, beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. First of all, not only does he love you, not only can nothing separate you from his love, but he says, the type of love that I have for you is as a dearly loved child. That no matter what, you are mine. You are born of me. You belong to me. And then I love that in that same passage in 1 John 3, 2, that it says, for what we will be has not yet appeared. Do you know that God understands that you're growing, that you're struggling, that you're changing, that you're making decisions? Do you understand that God doesn't expect you to be perfect and just have it all together right now? He's not, he's not looking at you with anger, but he's looking at you with love. If you were to say, this is how God would describe me, that he would describe you as a loved child who is growing into something amazing. I'd also say one of the things that, that is crucial for us to understand about how God sees us is what 1 Peter 4.10 describes, is that God thinks you are gifted. 1 Peter 4.10 says, each one of us has received a gift. The way that God would describe you is that I have placed something in her, I have placed something in him that he can use to benefit other people. And as he serves other people with this gift, it's going to build up his faith as well. That God loves you dearly with an undying love. That God has, sees something amazing that he has placed inside of you that other people don't have. God, God said, Mary, you're highly favored. But I want you to know that God views you with an unquenchable love, an undying love. God isn't looking at you in judgment, but he's looking at you with affection. And he's often saying, you know what, I have something better than what you're resting in right now. The, the second point that I want us to draw from this is that I need to believe what God believes about me. 
It's one thing to know that that's true, to, to know that, yes, okay, God loves me. But do you believe it in your heart? Do you apply it to your life? Do you know that when you speak to God, he listens to you the way the loving father listens to his child? God believes in you. And he's, I believe that he's placed a calling on your life that only you can live out. I think one of the ways I like to say this is, you know, the, the prayer of God, help me to be the person my dog thinks I am, right? Like, help me to see me a little bit more clearly. Help me to love the person you've made me to be. When we believe what God believes about us, it empowers us to live a little bit differently. It empowers us to, to step into ministry roles, to step into places that we may not have thought we belonged before. And, and in the same respect, we need to see other people the way that God sees them. We need to see our children the way that God sees them. We need to speak life into other people, and we need to speak life into the people that God's given us authority over. And I understand the fear. Well, if I encourage them too much, if I, if I talk about how great they are too much, they might get puffed up. I want to tell you, don't worry. The people around you and the children in your household, the world does plenty to just suck the life and the encouragement out of them. You don't have to worry about over-puffing them up. You don't have to worry about building them up too much. But the fact is they need to hear that from you, not just because they need the encouragement, but because they need to learn the truth that this love that God has poured into me, it flows out into all these other relationships. The truth that if I have a close relationship with God, it's going to affect the way that I speak. It's not just the truth of who they are, but the truth of how you're supposed to live. Our children, the people around us, they need to see us encouraging other people. And they need to see us believing what God believes about them. In verse 31, as we continue on in the story, it says, You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. Can I just pause there for a minute and say, it's pretty weird to me that, you know, the angel's speaking to her, and he's like, you're going to have a son. And he's going to be a king. And he's going to reign over a kingdom that will never end. And her biggest mental hang-up is, but I'm not even married yet. Like, it's more normal to have a king whose kingdom is going to be forever. Like, you don't have any objections about that. You have objections about how, how to have a kid. I mean, that's just a little bit strange to me. And the angel answered her and said, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. I mean, that, that's just, it's crazy to me that that's where her, her objection was. And, and then he offered this bit of evidence to her in 36. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I mean, we talked about the interaction with Zechariah and Elizabeth last week. And now we come to this place where it's, it's over six months later. And as Mary is getting this news, she hears the news of how, how God is working in her family as well. And I want to focus in for a second on verse 37. For no word from God will ever fail. For no word from God will ever fail. If you remember from last week in the interaction with Zechariah, um, as Zechariah was questioning Gabriel, Gabriel almost had a moment where he was like, like he got a little bit heated. Like you could sense like a little bit of passion and anger because the way that Gabriel responded to Zechariah was he said, I am Gabriel, who stands in the very presence of God. 
who sent me to deliver this message to you. I mean, like, he got a little bit heated when he questioned what God said. And then he said, and to give you a sign, you'll be unable to speak until every word that I have spoken comes true. I mean, Gabriel got, like, a little bit heated. And then we see at the end of this, the way that he talks, I just, you ever pick up a tone when someone's talking to you? You're like, you've got a weird tone going on. Like, I just, I sense this tone where, where Gabriel's speaking, and he, and he hammers in this point that I believe he hammered in with Zechariah as well. For no word from God will ever fail. For no word from God will ever fail. And that echoes back to the same statement that he made to Zechariah. And I see this, this, this echo of really Genesis in the fall. I mean, when we, when we look at the original sin that Scripture records, it wasn't just the eating of the fruit from a tree, but in this interaction between the biblical serpent and Adam and Eve, the, the question was, did God really say that? You will surely not die. The temptation was to believe a lie instead of believe God. To, to have heard the words of God, but then obey someone else's words. There goes the microphone. The temptation wasn't just about the fruit, but it was about who are you going to believe? Whose words will stand true? And so when, when I hear and see this, this passion and, and this emphasis from Gabriel in these interactions, my mind races back to those moments throughout Scripture that were critical moments in, in the history of humanity. And I just wonder how close it is to Gabriel's heart to see people say, I will trust the word of God. I will trust the words that have been spoken. I know that the words that God has spoken will come true. I believe that it rings back all the way to the original sin. Will I trust the word of God or will I trust someone else? And we don't have, you know, a snake or a serpent whispering in our ear. Um, we, we're hearing the word of God and we can open up the word of God and we can read it on our own. And, and it's been my experience that whenever uh, I'm looking and seeking to hear from God, I I get that answer of knowing what I need to do in my life, the step forward that I need to take. It's usually not a lack of clarity from God, but it's usually a lack of, will I take that step and talk about this? Will I take this step and make the change? Will I trust the word of God and what it teaches and how I live my life? And usually it's not a result of us not hearing, but it's usually a result in our days of us having so many other voices that we take the voice of God that we do hear, but we... we unconsciously shift and say, okay, I know that I should wake up and I should read scripture today. I should, I should spend some time with God. But it's also really important that, you know, I, I catch up on my social media and check off those notifications. It's also really important that I read and I'm current on knowing what's going on with net neutrality. And it's also important that I know what's going on with North Korea. And it's also important that I know what's going on with, you know, the civil government here in Cape Coral. And it's also important that, that I send these emails and that, that I, I check these voicemails. And we have all these other voices that, that I believe come into our day. And it's not that we consciously just said, I'm just not going to listen to what God says about how to live my life is that we've had so many other things that we just choke the voice of God out in our life. And we, we stop making time for it. And I guess to illustrate it, I, I'll do it this way. It's almost like as if we had a song, and I'm going to have a song that starts playing here. It's like we have a song that's playing, and, and we, we want to sing this one song. Oh, come all ye faithful. 
we're singing it. And then slowly, it's as if we have this one song going, one more song comes in. And it's like, okay, there's two things going on now in my mind right now. But I can still kind of hear the voice. And then thing after thing gets added into our lives. And it becomes so much that even to hear our own voice, we feel like we have to shout. And this is what a lot of people are living in right now until a tragedy happens and something big happens and everything just has to stop. And we reach that point where for a lot of people it takes a car wreck or a sickness. But we reach a certain point where we just say everything else has to stop right now until I can figure out this peace. And for some of you guys, that's your story. I became a Christian when that loved one passed away. I became a Christian when I had that huge interruption. And we, we don't consciously just put the word of God behind other things, but it happens. And we as believers... We have to find a way to say, okay, I hear your voice, and I'm going to follow what you say. And in this passage, I love Mary's response. As she, as she responded to the vision um, of, that Gabriel was given her, he said, I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. And it, then the angel left her. For what God's speaking into your life, what is your response? Do you want to see what he said be fulfilled in your life? Will you take a step towards that? Man, I hear you. I get caught up and I feel like, man, that audio, <laughs> that, that was my week this week. I, you know, I'm so excited for this week because I'm no longer in that week. Like, I'm so glad to be through it. I get it. But I have to take some intentional steps for this week to make sure that it doesn't become the same noise that I've become accustomed to. The band will start making their way up. Church, I want to encourage you. This season, it's like a natural season for things to quiet down a little bit. For us to pull close with family around the Christmas tree and around a meal. Make sure that as you hear the voice of God in your life, that you follow what he says, that you find a way to show the love of Christ to your family and to your neighbors this Christmas. And in fact, as we think about your loved ones, your friends, your neighbors, this is usually a time for them where they pause a little bit, and if they don't regularly, regularly go to church, they have a desire. This is one of the most opportune times for you to bring someone along with you to church. And we're gathered here together as a group because we believe that when you place your faith and trust into Jesus Christ, that he changes lives, hearts, and eternities. And it is our passion to share that joy with these neighborhoods and with this city. And so we intentionally move towards people. But it always starts out of the love that you have for God first in your heart. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you so much for the examples that we see in Scripture of people who heard from you and responded with a yes. Father, help us to respond with a yes to you in the things that you're speaking. If we need to take a step 
and make a decision today. Give us the courage and boldness to take that step and make that decision. If you put it on our heart to reach out, give us the courage to reach out and to do it with joy because we know that as we walk in obedience to you, we see amazing miracles happen. So Father, be at work. Uh, thank you, church. Uh, we have an opportunity right now to be an encouragement to a couple families. I mean, first of all, I know you have lots of opportunities, but there's two things at Christmas time that we want to do this year. Um, we want to bless a family that's serving here at Gulfside, and we want to bless a family that's serving overseas. Um, you guys know Aspen. She's been serving as our worship director, and we want to honor her and bring her on to staff in, in a closer-to-part-time role. I mean, that's how small of a role she was in, but we want to honor the work that she does for Gulfside, and we want to be able to pay her some this coming year. I think that would be the right thing to do. And then as well, we have a family that is serving in the country of Jordan right now. I've actually got a couple pictures for you. This is Rachel and Nathan Greenfield. Um, I've actually known them since they were in college. And there's some people that when you meet them, you're like, that person, like they're, they're a freaking rock star. Like wherever they go, they're just gonna kill it. And that has been them for all of their college experience and after. They moved to Jordan and they started a Christian academy in an Islamic country that is doing awesome things. And they started it from the ground up. And while they've been serving there, they've had their children there. They've adopted two children from Africa. And their oldest son has developed some special needs as of late. And they need to move from their third floor apartment and they have to find an apartment that has ground floor access to better accommodate him and his needs. And so there's some additional expenses that they have, and they don't know that we're doing this, but as part of our Christmas offering, I want to send some money to encourage and help them as they're going through this as, in, as a family. It would be the easiest thing in the world for them to pack it up and say, we'll go home to America. Our son has a sickness, and we're going to leave this behind. But they feel certain that even walking through this, these issues with their son, that they're called to be serving in Jordan. So let's be an encouragement to them. You can mark on your offering envelope, Christmas offering, or as you give online, which many of you guys do, there's a drop-down box that you can select Christmas offering for giving. Um, we're gonna take this up through Christmas Eve, so through next week. So as you're able, please give, give generously, and we're gonna see God do great things with this. Ushers, would you go ahead and come forward that we can honor the Lord in giving, and we may 